This podcast episode is brought to you by Memory Mondays by Memory Motel in Montauk, New York. No cover, $11 drink specials, and DJ Chili spinning on the ones and twos all night long. Your favorite bartenders, the best crowd, and what else do you have to do on a Monday? Let's be real. Everyone's got that rough day, boss is all on your ass, clients are all in your ears. Tune it all out, come on down, relax with Memory Mondays. It's the spot you're going to want to be all summer long. This episode is also brought to you by Happy Home Property Watchers. With over 30 years of local knowledge and experience, they know how to get the job done with care. Whether you need house cleaning, property watching, babysitting services, concierge and more, Happy Home Property Watchers has your back. Let your home become the oasis it was meant to be. After a long day, there's no better feeling than coming home to a clean space. Their attention to detail is unmatched. Know that your home is in the right hands this summer. Give them a call. For a free consultation, visit their website, www.happyhomepw.com, or their Instagram, at happyhomeproperty. Welcome to Highly Educated, the podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sherman. Tonight, we have another great episode for you, bringing on Montauk local Brittany Rivkind. Brittany owns her own retail shop called Thrivkind on Main Street in Sag Harbor, New York, where you can get thrifting items, gifting goods, vintage jeans, greeting cards, and more. Brittany provides the town of Sag with a little flair and flavor. Starting from her successful Instagram auctions, she decided to make the full jump into retail. She shares the trials and tribulations of building a business from scratch and exactly what that entails. We're excited to have her on, and you will be too. Welcome, Brittany Rivkind. Brittany, thanks for coming in. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, good to have you here. Brittany is a local business owner. She owns a vintage clothing store on Main Street in Sag Harbor. What's the address, Brittany? 76 Main Street. 76 Come Main Street. Come on by. <laughs> Thrivkind. You can buy vintage clothing and gifting items. Gifting, yeah, gifting items. Gifting, gifting items. goods. Gifting <laughs> goods. And brought her in to tell us all about her business and how she got started and uh, what it means to her and, you know, everything in the last year. It's been a, it's been a fast-paced year. You've basically popped up Memorial Day weekend and you're cruising on through the year. She's about her first year ending in. So mm -hmm. perfect uh, time for a little recap yep. and bringing her on here to tell us all about the business. Mm-hmm. So for Brittany, thrifting is nothing new and vintage clothing's nothing new. She's been fascinated by this since she was a kid and I'll let her kind of riff on her story, but I think there's always been a presence of clothing and fashion and sustainability kind of all throughout your life. And I think that applies to what you've done and built in the store and, mm -hmm. you know, if the writing's on the wall early, why not follow it? So, Yeah. So I went to um, high school in East Hampton, and then I graduated, and I went to SCAD for my first year, Savannah College of Art and Design, mm -hmm. and then I transferred to FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. Um, and what was nice about being in FIT is that sustainability was drilled into my curriculum, but it was something that I never chose to study. It kind of was just the teachers placed such a high emphasis on sustainability, and then I, at the same time, fell in love with thrifting. We didn't have anything like that out here. So being in the city, that was also new to me. And it's big in the city. Oh, like yeah. You know, people love their thrifting. It was like a hobby. Like every Saturday, Sunday, we meet, like I would go thrifting. <laughs> right, right. With all the your treasure friends. treasure hunt. And yeah. Yeah. Find the items, the, the goodies from the 90s, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so then that was something I loved so much. And right before graduation, my dad and I were actually in Woodstock, and we were driving to go see my grandma, and then we passed a thrift store. And I was like, Dad, please pull over, please pull over. And my dad was like, no, we're in a time crunch. But he looked at me because the topic of what I wanted to do after school was very much on my mind. Right. And um, he was like, that's what you have to do. You need to open a store. And it kind of just was like my aha moment. And ever since then, it was like, got to get a store. Shout that's out what to I Pops for the light bulb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Took that. He's always my it. light bulb, though. Yeah, it's like it's a reoccurring theme. Yeah, always. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's that's usually what the dads are for. The world. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's that's incredible. And yeah. you said too. I remember last time we spoke, you said your your grandmother influenced you too because she had like these retro ski fits, and you always like vibed with that and, and yeah. loved the way that like the old school was and kind oh, of she had bright colors and yeah, she had. I'm not even kidding. A ski outfit for every single day of the month, and everything was like very 80s. Like all of her ski outfits were 80s, so it was all yeah retro bright colored everything and <laughs> big miami vibes yeah but winter. that was kind of like the inspiration for how i curated yeah. and how i sourced so yeah and you can see a lot of that when you when you did it on on the instagram and, and let's talk about that too before we get carried away so you came from fit you learned about the sustainability you mm-hmm. um broke out of that you got the vision to basically open the store now before that you had the before the actual store opening you had the online portion right mm-hmm. and and you were doing that can you talk like tell us a little bit about that and how that kind of got going and yeah so after I graduated I traveled for about six months and I went to Colorado Australian Bali and I used that six months I told myself I was like I can travel but I better come up with a business plan by the time I get back right I can't so just fucking th- rage and yeah. lose my mind yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those six months were kind of like I had the idea, but I had no idea how I wanted to execute the idea. And I used that time to figure out my business plan. And I talked with friends, talked with people, just, I was always talking about what I wanted to do. And I got so many opinions and did a lot of research. And when I came back, I kind of had this idea to do an Instagram auction. I didn't want a brick and mortar at first. Like I was very against a brick and mortar. Now didn't want to or like didn't want to slash how the hell am I going to afford that also? I mean, yeah, that came into play as well. But <laughs> at, the, out here in our at the time, I just, I don't know. Like, I just really didn't want a store. Like that was mm. something that I didn't want to be tied to yet. And right. so an Instagram was like, you know, so it's in your face every single day. So I was like, okay, the next best option would be operating a business on social media. Why not? It's free global marketing. Sure. So, and then I wanted it to be very authentic and I kind of wanted it to people to like drive people to come to my page. Right. And so I thought of the Instagram auction and I auctioned items every single day and I wanted to auction everything off at a price point that everybody that I thought would be attainable to everyone. Sure. So I auctioned everything off for $12. And then because it was so low, there was so much action on my page. People were coming I don't know, from all over and just, and the bids were coming in all day long. And it was so, yeah, it was so exciting. And I launched my first auction June 25th, 2019. And it was a McDonald's tea that I had thrifted in Australia. And people, like, I did not expect the turnout that it did. And I think I sold that for like $115 from $12. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm on something There's a market for this. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Let me put my brain power here. So then after that, that was kind of like the moment where I was like, okay, like I can keep this going. And I did. And I posted every single day, three items a day. And then after that, it, it was just growing and growing. And I made it my full-time job. And then when did you realize you like needed the brick and mortar? Because you're like, I just have too much shit and I just need like a location. Like I need space. Well, so that's not really like what happened I guess there's like a lot more to the story which obviously we'll talk about so for me about in August of last year I kind of just walked away from Thrifkin I had enough of it and you burnt out you hit that wall where it was like I Instagram like controlled my life and it made me resent pretty much everything that I had built and I so I was on Instagram I had to post three items a day there's so much that goes into doing stuff like that. I sure. had to edit it. I had to be on my phone every single morning between like 9 and 11.30 just posting and and watching the bids and interacting with customers and answering customers through DM. And there was just – I mean, selling over Instagram is so hard, especially when it's clothing because people – I mean, they ask you to try the pieces on. They ask you if it's going to fit them. Right. There's just so much back to it. and. It, like a lot of well, customer service oriented. So much customer service. And it really, like, I hated it. Yeah. I had built an entire business on a platform that I actually hated. Right. And, and it caught up with you. It caught up with me. And I just, one day I just put my phone down and I was like, I'm done. I'm done doing this. And at that time I had felt like a failure. Like I'd felt like. 
even though the auctions were doing well and everything was doing well. I mean, they were, but they, 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 I felt that it was like plateauing. Like people weren't as interested in it. And I feel like people weren't as interested in it because I wasn't that interested in it anymore. I wasn't consistent with it anymore. It shows through. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. So yeah, I walked away from Instagram and was like, I have to, I loved set like selling to my customers in person, like interacting and shopping with my customers when they came to my studio to shop by appointment. I was like, this is what I love to do. Like, I don't want to have to DM someone and, sure. you know, and go through that whole back and go forth through that process. Like and... I want to see them try on the clothes. I want to see their reactions. I want to learn what they like and learn what they don't like. And yeah, it was just, well, then you know what to put them in. You're the expert, right? You're the one that went to school for this. You have an expert, yeah. but expert I mean, knowledge in, in fashion and in, you know, everything else. So, like you can help them yeah. dress the way that they want, but they might not see it, you know? So it's yeah. hard to just do it online. It's it's something that's very personable and you need to be like in person yeah. for. But what I love so much about the auctions is I was able to get to know my customers so well because I knew what they bid on. So say like you bid on flannels all the time. Okay, I've made a note of that. I know that... Now, every time I post a flannel, I'm going to send it to Ryan right. and he's going to bid on it. Right. So I built such an intense customer service and that was so built into everything I did. So whenever I would post something, I'd have a lineup of who I knew would like it and I'd spend like 45 minutes sending them sure. the item. Right. So it was great. It was like, a, it, it was a really cool way how I operated the Instagram. It was just not... Yeah. For me. It, well, it, well, it, burns, for it burns you out. And if you had somebody at the time to maybe like take on that, but like you said, it's all about the balance of like, if, yeah. not, if, if this spirit, if you're working so much that your creative spirit starts to fizzle out, that's when you know it's going to show up on the front end and customers are going to notice and you're going to, it all, it all shows up after, you know, you know, you're burnt out and you know, you got to switch it up. Yeah. And when going back to me feeling like a failure at that time, I really did. Like I was so... Like, my anxiety was through the roof. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I hate what I've done. What was, what was the hardest part of that? Like, did you feel it was because you couldn't walk away because it was so big now and you couldn't really just disappear from it? Was that part of the anxiety or was it? I think it was just like, what am I going to do? You know, like, I, this was like how I envisioned, like, my career was Thriftkin. And for me, it was like, I couldn't even go into my studio for like three months after I walked away. Like I had such bad PTSD from it. What what did you need to do to reset? Like what was the reset? How did you? Looking. So for me, it was like, and and my dad was like definitely a big push in this. We like, he was like, you need to get a store. You need to get a store. And I knew that that's what I needed to do. And when I knew I needed a store, I did, I put my head down and just went for it and just... I, I mean, everyone knew I was looking for a store. I had the UPS guys phone numbers because <laughs> they, I mean, they know everything they know. Right. They deliver to all the stores. They know right. if a store is relocating or if a store is going out of business, they know everything. Sure. So I like first, yeah. everyone from like Zag Harbor to Montauk knew I was looking for a store. Every single real estate agent, like I was just, I mean, not everyone, but at like most like people were calling me up being like hey this this opened up you should check this out yeah i I went to sac harbor and i was talking to other stores if they knew what was you know what was going on in the neighborhood and i got really lucky yeah and i and i just yeah and i just kept pushing and pushing and i was like this is what i want and i'm gonna get it and and from my understanding you basically you know started the business um without any investors or kind of any angel thing you really kind of just took it on yourself to take the risk and responsibility of okay i'm gonna start this and put my money into it and if it fails that's all on me and that's it yeah so i know i did not have any investors i saved everything that i'd earned from the instagram and that's why i don't look back on the instagram and have like this negative opinion on it I know it wasn't the probably the best for my mental health, but it really was like the jump start to everything about Thriftkin. And sure. I so I saved all of that money and opened my store. And the one thing was like I knew I could do the store on my own, but um my dad said to me, he had let me 
a minuscule amount of money compared to the amount of money that right. I put into right. my store. But he looked at me and he was like, you're paying me back in a month and a half, two months, however long it may be. Right, because he schedule. was like, because he was like, I want you to walk away from this business knowing that you 100% did this yourself. And within a month and a half, I wrote him a check. Right. And so that was like the best. Like that was a I pat just on your back. Moment. Yeah. He because he was like I know he's an entrepreneur as well. So he right. was like I I know what it feels like say that you've done something yourself. So that's a proud moment. It's a proud moment, and that, maybe the proudest of moments. Yeah. You know, or one of them in your life. You know. Yeah. As you as you go. I did on. not take a dime. I mean, my my mom tried to give me. She she made a connection for me with the renovation. And she tried to gift me that connection, and I was like, nope, not happening. And same with my brother-in-law. He made a connection with me and tried to gift me the connection, and I was like, nope. Yeah, but that shows that you have a good stubbornness to you. Yep. That knows that you're, you're, you believe <laughs> They were in like, your, okay, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> believe in your work ethic, and you clearly have a confidence to know that you're believing in yourself and what you've built. So, you know, and, and you've yep. seen it. It's easier when you've seen the proof, too, when you're like, I know what I have works. You know, some people get discouraged for years, you know, five, 10 years, they're still working at the same thing. And they're like, damn. And then it finally breaks. It's like, yeah, it's, it's nice to know that you, you hustled it out and like picked the right moment and, and dove at it and said, you know what, I'm going for it. Not many people take that risk and a lot of people play it safe and then they don't accomplish what they need to because they chose the other thing or, Oh, I, I should have, I can wait a little longer if I do this. It's like, sometimes you have to just hit that breaking point and regroup and settle and then dive at the next Mm -hmm. chance you feel like you're going to make a, a... I mean, what most people ignore is that like, they think that failure is not a part of an evolution. Failure isn't a downfall. It's just an evolution. Right. It just pushes you to the next step. And that was, that, that was my thing was, I was like, okay, wh where am I going next? Because that, that's not where I want to go. It doesn't mean I have to, I mean, at the time I was like, you know, so many thoughts were going in my head, but right. you had doubts, it was my I'm evolution sure, right? 100%. Like what, what, what was your biggest doubts when you were going to open the retail store, like carrying over from Instagram? Like what was your big doubts that you were like, I don't, I don't know. Is this going to work or is this thing going to work or is this I mean, I think it? I had so much passion behind opening the store that I really didn't have too many doubts. Like I was so passionate and I was so like, this is what I want to do and I know it's going to work out and I know that. I you had say, blinders on basically. Yeah. Like I, I just went for it and I was like, this is, and what's great was because opening day, it just like proved true. Like it, like I knew after opening day, I was like, okay, like everything that I ever worried about, I don't have to worry about it. And I'm sure that moment was yeah. surreal. Leading up to that moment, that was, when that you, was. When you peeled the tape off the window and you're like, oh. Yeah. My but God. I mean, it was just like, I didn't see, like, it was funny. So during, so I, my, I took my lease over mid spring and from mid spring to Memorial day weekend, I did not go outside. <laughs> I was inside every single day helping with renovation. And I mean, I was waxing, I was, um, sanding shelves, doing everything. Right. Like, I, I mean, I didn't do everything, but I was there. No, getting gritty. Had yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> To do what you have to do. But yeah, no, it was funny. I remember like scrolling on Instagram and some of my friends were like posting Instagram stories in shorts. And I was like, man, it's hot. It's hot enough to be outside in shorts. Like I was just inside all day. I, didn't, <laughs> I, I just worked every single day like for day? three months straight. And then right before opening, I remember my, we, we worked like probably two weeks before opening, we were working like 14 hour days oh, trying sure. to open my store. And uh, the day before opening, when we got home, we got home at like, I don't know, I want to say like 11 at night. My friend and I, my friend came to visit me and help me and support me for my opening weekend. And I looked at her and I was like, I can't, I can't do it tomorrow. And there was so much pressure because it was Memorial Day weekend. Like I have to be open Memorial Day you weekend. You have to, yeah. It's but like I was exhausted. Of weekends if you don't. I was so tired. I was like, I don't even, I'm not even excited. And, and you know what? The day before I opened my store... Oh my God. My store was, I was on my way to my store and I hit a Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, this is, I, I was like, I can't even, and I didn't even have time. Like I was everything from the amount of stress that I felt from my store just came out when I hit that Rolls Royce. And they were like, <laughs> the owners just like, I was hysterical. 
And I think they were just like this, like, we can't even talk. They just, they didn't take any information from me. They just were like, okay. I mean, they. Oh, you dodged a bullet. I mean, I think they just saw me and they were like, this girl cannot handle (laughs) the fat. Like, it was just, oh my God. But I had just put on game. I, I remember I went back to the store. I walked in. I looked at my girls and I was like, I just had a Rolls Royce. And they're like, what? And I was like, but we got work to do. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so you hit the Rolls Royce. It's madness. <laughs> Aside from that, what was like the hardest thing to like actually open the store? Like what was like the big hump you had to get over? Well, to go back to the Rolls Royce, just so everyone knows, no one was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> No one was hurt. No Pomeranian was injured in this Yeah, in this no one was hurt. I just backed into the Rolls Royce. But fast forwarding, um, I think the hardest thing for me was figuring out how to build out my space and design my space because every little detail kind of catered to the branding at this point. Yeah. So And for me, I was so lost on how I wanted to brand myself. The Instagram was so systematic, so I didn't really have to think about the branding. Right. And by systematic, I think... I mean that I just posted the photos, the auctions three times a day, every day. Right. You didn't like, I didn't have to do graphics, you know, like branding. No Canva, no any of this stuff. You didn't really need it at the time. For me, my hardest thing was how I was going to like communicate to my customers in terms of the brand of Thriftkin. And I had, I mean, I had to make a logo. I had to it takes pick a out lot the to colors establish and I, yeah. and I was so lost. I was like, <laughs> how am I? Pantones like, who am and I? H colors and what? But I was just like, who am I? Like, how do I want to like present Thriftkin to the world? Like, and I also had an eight month break where I just used that. I kind of put the Instagram to a halt and used that to work on the store and my branding. And I was like, I want to come back with like a bang. So I I needed, I worked so hard in the branding. And for me, like all the details in the store were so important. Like I, the biggest piece of advice that I got when building out my store was pay attention to the details and spend on the details. And for me, like I said, the details were so important. So it was just every little thing had to be on brand and every little thing had to be like cohesive with the space and be of aesthetic in the space. So that was probably the most time consuming part. And that didn't come to me until probably three weeks before opening. Right. And so, I mean, I knew like for me, I wanted it to be. So really you had three weeks. Cause that's because <laughs> you really can't do anything in a store like that until you visualize it. So I think you yeah, really I mean, three I weeks worked, basically from map out to well, no, like I had so I had an idea. So I wanted everything to be light wood, white with a pop of color. But I had no idea where I wanted to put the pop of color. I had no idea, <laughs> right? What you know, I had the build out of the space done. I designed the space, but the details were like probably the biggest stressor for me because right. I was like, I need them to, I need it to be perfect, and it worked. Like everything. Like everything in my store is very detail oriented. From the clothing have, racks to the yeah. signage to the yeah, you know, and then all I the have way you know the, everything out and the curtains. I'm obsessed with the curtains in my shop. The curtains are made out of recycled fabrics that I made from custom cutting customers' denim throughout the years. I saved all the fabrics and then hired a denim tailor in the city to make my curtains. And I have posters in my shop. I didn't really want to lose the identity of the girls what I used to call the images of me taking the photos and posting them on the Instagram. So I didn't want to lose that identity entirely. So I turned those images into posters, yeah, like magazine covers. Right. I, I used Playboy as an inspiration with like the big Thrifkin logo like at the top like Playboy does. Right. So I did that all around my store and I'm going to add like my whole back wall. I want to fill with those images, That'd be but really cool, I, yeah. I, cause I want, I wanted to pay tribute to how I started. I didn't want to, and I wanted my customers to recognize like the true thrift brand when they walk in. Right. So all the little details in my store were super important. And that was that branding and designing my space was probably the most difficult thing I had to do. Right. How did you curate your space? Like, how did you actually contact vendors and be like, hey, this is what I want? Or it's not a vendor or it's, oh, personal people or, oh, it's a source or, oh, it's this. Like, how did you get together all that and and what was that like? So with making my space, I kind of had a few factors that played into how I curated the products. I wanted every single brand to be sustainable 
small business or have some sort of give back initiative. And if they checked back all those boxes, then um, I looked at the packaging. And if packaging wasn't the fun, retro, bright colors, then I gave up that brand. For me, packaging was so important. So it it took about six months for me to carry the space i mean i'm still i work every single day on finding new brands that i love and want to support but um those are key factors for me well i'm sure you'll adjust as sales adjust too if you don't sell any of this one item or if you sell all of this one item you know you'll yeah. buy more of this item or more of that brand you know but i love i mean all my brands in my store i'm so happy about and, I, and but, I, but that but that makes it difficult too if you love everything how do you create more shelf space to yeah. have new items right? i mean you can you can rearrange but for me it was i also wanted to be like different and authentic like i didn't want any brands that other stores had I mean, there's obviously overlapping. I really didn't like. I mean, some of my brands. I feel like so, like so many of my customers never knew about. Yeah, out there, and there's a and lot I'm, of quirky and, gifts in there too. Like, there's a lot of like really cool little things. Like, yeah, like my dog playing cards. Like, and it and it was like Candles curating and... the space. It was so fun because it's everything that I loved and everything. And I walk into my store and I'm like, wow, I want to own every single thing on this table. Like, I loved it. And for me, it was like. Every like everything in here is me. Like I love backgammon, so obviously I'm gonna have a backgammon set in my store. I love obnoxious cards, like with filled with profanity. Like obviously I'm gonna have that in my store. Right. I love sustainable candles. I'm gonna have that in my store. I love cool sunglasses, purses, whatever it may be. I'm gonna have that in my store and fashion books. Well- People, so, it was, it was from you. It's, it's a presence of yourself. Yeah. You're, and like your pieces of yourself and, is all over the store. Yeah. You know? And things like that. So I, I, it's just like my entire story is me. But, <laughs> well, it speaks to your brand and how you started. I mean, yeah. you started from thrifting your own clothes online. It was yeah. your own stuff you bought cause you liked it. And you're like, I can sell this now that I'm going to buy new stuff and I don't need this stuff anymore. And I have new stuff to wear or I have new things, you know? And that's kind of, if you started at that little seedling of like, Hey, People, you gained a following and you gained traction because people liked your, mm-hmm. quote, brand, even though there was none at the time. People yeah. liked your style. That's and it took, me so long, it took me so long to carry the space because it was, like, so important to me. Like, I wanted everything to be perfect and wanted everything. Like, if I didn't get a brand, that's fine because something better is going to come along and something better, something else is going to make more sense to be there. Right. So I love the curation of my store. I think I have the best store ever. <laughs> She's not biased, guys. <laughs> She's the best store. No, it, it really is such a gem. Uh, please, if you're in Sag Harbor or if you're not, if you're in the Hamptons in general and you want to have a good little Saturday and go thrift and check out some cool shiz, go to Main Street Sag Harbor and check out mm-hmm. Thriftkin. I mean, what are you waiting for? Yep. <laughs> I mean, talking about curation, too, in the same breath, I mean, the Instagram still, and you said you had this kind of love-hate relationship with Instagram. I mean, what's it like now? I kind of use it as more of like a fun space rather than like a systematic and very consistent space. But I don't really run my Instagram. I mean, I do, but I mostly have my employees do it. I personally have no relationship to Instagram anymore. I don't even have the app on my phone. I, yeah, I, I was so burnt out from the Instagram. I just, Wanted it out of my life. So, wow. Yeah, I even bought a phone for the store because I was like, I don't ever want this app on my phone. So now, the ins- yeah, we just have the app on the store phone. And when you have them work the. Yep. Now- That's why there's always like people, it's funny when people DM me, they're like, Am I talking to Brittany? Who am I talking to? Because <laughs> there's always about like five people on that Instagram. So, guys, note you're not talking to Brittany ever. <laughs> Some, I mean, some, uh, maybe I'm, if she grabs the phone and sends you a message. If personally, I'm but. working, like I'll tap into the Instagram or I'll post stories and things like that. But because right, you're working at the, at the store, but because Instagram is so big and it, of of course it's global. For me, it was when I was on the Instagram, I had to be. You just have to be ready for both sides of the fence. Not a, because it's global. Everyone, not everyone's going to agree with what you're saying. Not agree right. with. The items how, you're selling or whatever yeah, it is. Doesn't how, matter. how much you're selling it for, how you're selling it, what what you're doing, X, Y, Z. So that to me, it was like I had to get used to people sending me not the nicest messages and I still receive those. Because well, so. well, you, you, you're you not used to that. 
No, that's just a motivator. It's not a sign of like some people can take it as like, wait, this person doesn't agree with me. Does that mean I'm doing something wrong? Blah, blah, blah. blah. But that's just noise. Well, you have to treat it like that in some sense. But like you said, constructive is one thing. Constructive feedback can be constructive and you can take what your clients say to you that buy your items and that actually invest in your business. You can take some of their, you know, things to heart or things that they say. Maybe it will help the business. Maybe it can improve things. But just just random hate or noise or any other thing, you know, yeah, sure. You're always going to have that other side of, you know, no matter what you're doing, you're always going to have haters or or people that want to challenge the way you do something i mean it gets to your head and sometimes you can doubt yourself but just got to use that as motivation yeah i mean that's that's one of the hardest parts about starting a business right is you're gonna hear perspectives from your friends your family your peers your online media and that's a lot of stuff floating around in the air and it's hard to kind of manage that like a big ball of chaos when you don't really is your first go at things and you're you're grasping you don't really know where to take all this energy and, and all you knew how to do was kind of just zone in and focus mm-hmm. people can knock you off your you know knock you off your path all the time i think that's so important to like talk about how people can kind of knock you off your energy or, or space yeah i get it all the time you know people come up to me i mean there are definitely like some instances where people have said things that resonated with me that i made me question everything i was doing and <clears throat> right. but they turned out those conversations turned out to be the biggest motivators like right yeah and and sometimes you need that and and like i'm saying like even with my podcast my photography with anything i'm doing i constantly get criticism whether it's you know hey man i, I really love what you're doing but you could do this or hey you know I, I wouldn't do that man it's like okay that's that's you that's your lane that's that's what you're doing but you know this is my thing and mm-hmm. until i see you know you pick up a mic and do this or pick up a camera and do that you know i'm gonna keep doing it the way that i know to do it and You know, hopefully it's the right way. Do you like cookies? Well, I have some good news for you. Cousin Patty's Cookies does custom cookie orders for everyone out on the east end of Long Island. Whether it's 4th of July, graduation parties, birthdays, or more, Patty's got you covered. Custom baked cookies for any occasion. For custom orders, email CousinPatty'sCookies at gmail.com or check out their Facebook page, Cousin Patty's Cookies. So what are some like major things that you're learning as a business owner, like a new business owner? Like what do you, what are some things that you're kind of taking in and, and learning to apply that you kind of didn't realize before? I mean, you're learning something new every single day. You're troubleshooting every single day. <laughs> every there's problem. O- yeah. There's always something to fix. But I think for me right now in this moment, like especially the last few months, like I'm learning now to how to manage like my future. I'm learning how to manage. Okay. So I've got six months under my belt. What am I, what's my next step here? And that's so exciting for me because I'm meeting with all these advisors and meeting, having meeting here, having meeting there and meeting with planners. And like, I just, it's just so fun. Like I love learning new things and learning how I can take control over the business I created. You also went back to your college, right? And like did this full circle experience where you like went and lectured at your old school. Yeah, that was so awesome. It was probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I was... Well, let's talk about it. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So I was invited in August and November. They had me come and speak to the students. And it was so awesome to see my story inspire students that are there currently and tell me that they want to do something that I do and how to do it. And I don't know. It was, and when I finished the lecture, I had students, they were lined up to talk to me individually. It was just, it was all just so cool. It's surreal at that point. Yeah. And I was standing in the same exact auditorium I had class in, in front of everyone. It's gotta be a trip. I loved it. (laughs) And I, and he told me. The cheese grin you could see on her face right now as she (laughs) says this. And he wants me to come back every semester. So. Wow, a resident speaker at FIT. (laughs) Wow. So how did you, to segue a little bit here to back to kind of like the store, how did you find the time to kind of manage, you know, the store itself and summer and personal life and everything else? Or did personal life just kind of, there it goes. (laughs) All right, friends, why is Brittany on Friday? Yeah. Brittany's at the store ripping her hair out. Yep. I mean, it was just, I mean, this summer went so great for me. I was so happy 
because of how well the store was doing and I was and because it was doing so well I was so busy and I wanted to be there every single day and that was my problem was I was just I just needed to be there that's exciting yeah it was it was really exciting and it was just like it was probably the best thing ever to see how good it went but the one thing about that is that I just had no personal life but that's okay because you just that's just the way it goes being a business owner for the first few years. Now, what, what was it like kind of being people's boss? Like, did you, was that the first time you were like people's, like running a team of people doing stuff? Running a team. They, yeah, that was the first time. And it was really, really awesome because I love my girls that I have now that stand behind me and I'm so fortunate and I got so lucky with them and in, like it's incredible to be a boss and it's so much work and it's actually like so rewarding because you're like wow like I can like every single day I would send like at the end of the day I would sit there and I would send an email and a to-do list so the girls knew what exactly what they had to do the next day what was going on and it was learning about all the things that I like communication and what we need to do what we need to tell each other and it, the number one thing that my dad always told me was that you're only as good as your employees. So for me, like just finding my core girls is probably like I'm just so so fortunate. <laughs> Shout out to them. Crushing Shout out it. to them. Doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unreal. And and in terms of the actual um finding your employees, did you find them through Instagram or was it like they were yeah, super so interested and they're like, they hey, were all, I want to work for you? They were all previous customers. Oh wow. So and one of my my manager, she was a loyal customer of mine when I operated the Instagram and I messaged her when I was opening my store and we kind of just she I just hired her. <laughs> she was like, "I'll help you." And I was like, "Great. I need you tomorrow." Perfect. And then she just she never left and I'm so fortunate because she's like my backbone. Love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And everyone, everyone in the retail industry said it's so hard to find good employees. And I just got so lucky. Yeah. I mean, you know, and if the store does well, you keep them happy. Everybody does well. And the future is, is bright. Yeah. But my one, like being a boss, my one thing is it's hard for me to, like, I hate confrontation. So if there is something that's annoying me or something that's just like, it's not something that I want done in my shop, I used to hold it in from previous experiences and then it would just build up build up but now i learned that when you're a boss you have to you, you can't avoid to. confrontation you have to you can't. so now i'm learning to if someone's on their phone and i don't want them on their phone i'm look at them and tell them get off of your phone and i don't want to see it out until 5 p.m when your shift's over right so it's i just i don't know it's it, all learning it's hard curve. it's hard it's hard to be a it's boss hard. and it's and for someone like me who's sensitive it's even harder to be oh a my boss goodness. yeah to reprimand people <laughs> yeah. to punish people to say these things yeah, it's it's intimidating yourself yeah. when you're when you're when you haven't done it a lot either it's hard yeah. especially when you haven't done it a lot to sit down i know with i've always been the person where i'm like you know i just get so nervous to tell someone that they're doing something wrong like i don't know how to approach that but you just at the end of the day like this year i really kicked it i kicked it into myself because i was like this is what I have to do. But I, th I think that's what makes the best business owners down the road. Yeah, you know? I think it's just also like I wanted my store to be really successful and I wanted to make an impression with my customers. And because I had that like behind me, I was able to, <clears throat> I had more of like the confidence to put my foot down and be like, no, this is how we're going to do things here. Don't do that. Or, you know, kind of lay down some rules. Yeah. And, and it's hard for everybody, right, too, because you're friends with the people you work with mm -hmm. in, in a capacity. You become like work family, essentially. Yeah, which... but you have to separate yeah. friends and the workplace. You just have to. Like when, when we're at work, we know like, okay, this is work time. We're not at friend time. And then you – and for me, like being someone's boss, there's kind of like a fine line that you just don't want to cross. And I learned that from experience, too. And – I just don't cross that line anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, you have you've learned the trial and tribulation of what you need to do to function properly yourself. You yeah. know that if you don't you don't act this way or don't do it this way, mm -hmm. it makes it harder for you. So mm -hmm. you have to, as the business owner, make the right decisions yeah. and apply them. Um, 
did you really have any kind of advice from anybody for entrepreneurship or did you kind of pick that up as you went along? Did you, I mean, you said like, you know, your dad gives you advice and he's a, a positive influence on you, but is, was there any other like entrepreneurial structured people that came to you and were like, Hey Brittany, I can, I can help you out with these questions or these things. Um, I mean, I would say really like my entire family is filled with entrepreneurs, but I also have a friend group and almost every single one of us owns a retail store. So for us, we kind of like bounce off each other. I mean, we give each other ideas, we help each other set goals and like kind of to understand numbers and what we should buy and how we should buy. And we're just constantly giving each other advice. So it's just like, I just have such a good girl group and such a good support group. And the community is huge for you then. Yeah. And we always have each other's backs. So, you know, if we come across a situation and I just send a group chat text and, you know. There it is. There it is. There's a solution somewhere <laughs> floating around. Oh, There's Brittany, a... this has happened to me. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, we did that last week. Yeah. Sure, this is how you do that. There's a solution somewhere in that group chat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome that there's a, a community of people that you um, resonate with and, and find help yeah. with. Because there's not a lot, you know, of that spirit out here in, in general senses. And it's it's good to know that locals are sticking together and having some community in, in the way that they own retail. It's mm -hmm. great. Yep. So if, if you were to give your entrepreneurial advice to somebody that was saying, hey, Brittany, I love fashion and I love clothing and I want to open up a clothing store, not vintage necessarily, but just, hey, I want to open up a clothing or a retail shop, you know, mm -hmm. what, what would be like your big tip to them or, or one of your bigger tips to them or advice? Um, stay consistent and work hard. It's funny. I, people say to me all the time, like, I can't wait to have my own business so I don't have to work all the time. And I look at them with like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? If you own a business, you don't get to clock out. Right. You're on the clock 24 hours. And then you dream about it. Yeah, you dream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but work hard, stay consistent and be authentic and just always say yes. Just And if you have an idea, go for it. Don't doubt yourself. Think about it. The, the first person you come to when you have this great idea or you have good ideas about anything, right? Like, oh, I want to be a poet. Oh, I'm going to write some things. Oh, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to paint some things. It's like your first five friends, right? That's like, dude, you're not going to be a fucking painter. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, are you fucking kidding me? You're not going to do this. What are you, what are you, stupid? Like, and, they, and they're, they mean well and they're joking. You know, they want to be in this camaraderie. They don't mean it. Your peer groups don't realize that like yeah, that shit directly influences who people have a drive to. And, and, and I'm not saying this is in your case specific. I'm saying in general, just we do take a lot in like a sponge and it's kind of up to us to figure out what we want to actually take from that and absorb and, mm -hmm. and what we want to actually use as fuel, what we want to use as, it's just interesting to kind of see how it comes together later on. And you're like, well, man, this person did that and, and, uh, that little part helped this and that it's all pieces and, mm -hmm. and building through that and finding the right team, like you said, and, and having advice and, and being guided the right way. I mean, all these things are like huge parts of success in business. And I think it all is relevant to, it looks like you're going to be open year round, maybe close yeah. up a little bit. Yeah. Year round. I'm, I'm going to be open year round. Yeah. Year round. Yeah. I mean, it's, she's not fucking leaving. <laughs> I just remember. <laughs> I think of Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm like, why would I close if it's doing well? Run it, and, and I'm assuming in this time you're going to be thrifting. I'm going to be skiing. Skiing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not thrifting. I'll be mixture. Mixture. It'll be like a, a workcation. Yeah. For how long are you going away? A month. Nice. Where? Aspen. Where's that? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 awesome. Um I mean, let's talk about sourcing too. I mean, in the same breath, how you're going to be like going on a trip and like still working. I mean, but in a general sense, sourcing itself, like how do you source and, and what's that process like and, and how tedious is it? Oh, it's, it's a lot, <laughs> but I love it. I go probably in peak season, I go twice a month. So I either go to the city or I fly down South, kind of stay along the East coast, but, um, it's a quick 24 hours. I've got like 10 hours while I'm meeting with my dealers to source through about or pick through about like 12,000 items. They just show up with like bins of shit and you're just like looking through bins with people? 
for um, hours, like kind of like a, a dive? A little bit. I mean, because I've been in the business for so long, I've now gained relationships with dealers and they pick for me. Right. They know and what you want. They know what sense. I want. Right. So they are the ones that go out to the markets and go out and, you know, do all these things. And I meet with them because I don't have time to do that anymore. I got to run my business. Right. And so, they want to sell to you because they yeah. want to make money too. So, yeah. you know. So it's kind of, yeah. They're your sales rep kind of. Pretty much. <laughs> In a fashion sense. Right? Yeah. But I've, I've got a small amount of time to go through a lot of, lot of inventory. But that's why curating and knowing what you like is so important. And the one thing about thrifting is that there's a lot of competition and little supply. So every single person is that owns a vintage clothing store is looking exactly for what I'm looking for. So say I go out and I need size 31 jeans. And we know that's a, hypothetically that's like a common size. Right the next vintage store is looking for size 31 jeans. So we're now both looking for size 31 jeans. I come back, I'm like, shit, I, I couldn't find... It's just, it's so much different than a boutique because boutiques can just sit and place an order and know exactly what they're going to get and exactly what's arriving in that box. Right. I don't. And for me, that's probably the most stressful thing is looking for things that everyone else is looking for. And that's probably like my biggest disadvantage to other stores is that if a customer is coming in for size 31 jeans and I don't have any, they're going to walk across the street to the other store and buy size 31 jeans over there. So for me, it puts a lot of pressure on me to have everything that I'm supposed to have. Like over summer, tops are huge. Blouses are huge. I got to make sure that I've got XYZ amount of blouses. But if my dealer doesn't have enough blouses for me to stock up for the summer then I'm screwed you need five more dealers but it's just it's just a hard game sure like it's not I mean I shouldn't say game but it's just it's it's hard in some sense yeah I mean you are playing a game essentially it's just more serious and there's monetary situations (laughs) involved but but that's the one thing about like vintage that I would say has their disadvantage, but it's just, I just love vintage clothes. <laughs> but that's, but it's also back to your model of sustainability, right? It is yeah. something you're passionate about. It's something that you actually do care about. You're not yeah. just like a person of wasteful means. I mean, you, yeah. you, you do care about these things in the underwire of the brand. And also people like my customers don't really, under, and people who, you know, know about my store, they don't really know how much work I put into getting the merchandise customer ready there's probably, I don't know, before I get my hands on the merchandise, probably like 500 hands that touch those articles of clothing to make them buyer ready. Then I come and buy it. I notice that there's a hole in this t-shirt or the zipper's missing, the zipper's not working or a button is missing. I then got to bring it to my tailor. The tailor fixes it. Then I got to come back, steam it, price it, size it. It's just with denim, like I hand size or I, I look at d- every single piece of denim that comes through my door. I have to manually size each one. Right. There's just so much work that goes into it. And thank God for help and my sourcing assistant <laughs> and everything that I have. But well, you, people like you just said, you don't. Built a team. People just don't realize. And when people complain about my prices, I'm like, you have no idea how much work I put into. Now, can like clients be a source for you or can other people like, how does that doorway kind of open? So diversity is key here. Like I don't get all my stuff from one place. I always have an eye out. I'm traveling. I'm going to other thrift stores. I'm going to markets, obviously on my off season when I have time, but my customers bring in their merchandise. I'm very picky, but they bring in stuff from their closet and I buy from them. There's just not one place I get my stuff from. And I think that's like a misconception is that people think like I go somewhere and I come back and I have all this stuff. It's not how it works. I've got, right. I've got customers I buy from, I buy from thrift stores, I buy from dealers, I buy from markets everywhere. Well, you're smart when you have multiple yeah, I've sources. Got my, that's how you I've are successful. I've got my employees thrifting for me. So like they, you know, they're always sending me pictures of things that they find at thrift stores. And Now, do you break them off a commission or something? Like how does no, that work? No, I, I just 
I it's just a part them. of their job scale of like. No, I I buy from them. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's yeah. like they if they buy something cool, they can pass it to you for their yeah. price of whatever, and it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that gives them an open opportunity, and that actually could be very beneficial down the road for keeping good employees. Is they can always sell to you to make their money more extra money. Yeah. They can always sell items they find. To I you. mean, I'm hoping down the line. I hope to possibly open a second store, maybe a third store. It's funny when I was in. I was going to say, what's the roadmap down the road? Five <laughs> years, five years, 10 years. What's the visual? When I if was you have in one at the moment? Um, high school, we had to make like a, some sort of PowerPoint that talks about like our future goals. And my future goals were to own three stores, one in the Hamptons, one in randomly Carmel, California in Aspen, Colorado. Why Carmel, California, I have to ask? I just went there on vacation with my dad one year, and I just Hyped. loved it. So I just chose Carmel. But Nice. Um, yeah, I, I really want to open other stores, but I think with opening up other stores, I'm not going to be able to source everything by myself. So I'm going to have to hire some sourcing assistants, which I did hire this year. One, so. Yeah. And, and it's all, and it's, it's all as you scale it because, you know, you don't want to lose quality control right away. You want to make yeah. sure you, you control. I'm a control freak, so <laughs> but it, I have yeah, to have the last have word on everything, so. Hey, but that's how the product comes out finished, yeah. how it is, and that's why people want to buy it because you put your touch on it and that's, you know, something people notice. So yeah. clearly it works. Mm-hmm. Now, random question, why not mom talk? I, you know what, my dad, he's always right. And he kept saying, (laughs) he kept saying to me, you should really open a store in Sac Harbor. You should really open a store in Sac Harbor. And I was like, no, why would I open a store in Sac Harbor for years? And then when I was looking for a store, I first was looking at Montauk. And then I was like, why am I looking at Montauk? I love winter clothes. And I would have to shut down my store and I wouldn't be able to sell winter clothes. So then I gave up looking at Montauk. And the next best option for me was Sac Harbor. Yeah, which and, is a, my probably my favorite town now. And I'm so happy that I'm in Sac Harbor now. And I want I a part of me is thinking about doing a second location in Montauk, but I'm happy to be in Sac Harbor. I really like the community. I love the restaurants. That's another plus. Shout out to Sen. <laughs> Shout out to Sen. Went there for dinner. What a restaurant. Sag Harbor is pretty vibrant and thriving. I'm sure you've had some celebrity sightings in your store this summer. Mm-hmm. I did. Would you like I to had... share about it? <laughs> Little TMZ? Yep. I had Amber Heard come in, Ooh. but I wasn't there. Oh. And it was like just when the um, the case with Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp when it was getting it, spicy. Yeah. So she was in, who's the pizza guy? Dave Portnoy. Dave Portnoy, Gwyneth Paltrow, Drew Barrymore, Emma Roberts. Also, she Love tells, she says how much she loves the shop. I think that's it. <laughs> Maybe more people that I haven't. Yeah, probably I a lot recognize. of other people. That you oh, didn't you know what? Right. Um, the Real Housewives of New York filmed at Thriftkind. Oh, nice. Yeah, get a little weeks ago. press in there. That's good. Yeah, Did so it get released yet or is it like not out yet? It's like, no, they, they just filmed. Oh, okay. So it won't be out for yeah. like six years. Right. So as you prepare and segue out of the year, mm-hmm. are you kind of ready to shut the book on this year, go to the next? Like, do you already have like the steps you're planning on doing for next year? Like, are you already in attack mode? Yeah. Or are you, <laughs> you're like excited for the year to end so you can roll over into the new? Yeah. I'm like, this year was probably one of the most pivotal years of my life. And I'm so happy that I'm at where I'm at right now. And next year I'm like, okay, I have the renovation behind me, the real root of my product curation behind me, the branding behind me. I'm just going to go full throttle and try to get as many awesome, really cool brands in my shop and really bring it to the next level for my customers this summer. And like, I'm just so over the moon with everything that I made. It's it's a great feeling, I'm sure. Yeah. To sit on that and, and be, you know, happy with what you did and, and know that you did everything the way you did it and you did it right. And, and I did now it myself. Gonna, right. You did it yourself and now you're going to hone in on these things. And that's what any business owner does, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you take your first year, you take what you did and then you, you, you chop it up. Okay, what can I do even better? What things can I expand on? Be, like right now this year, I want to work on building my foundation. So for like this past year, it was just 
open the shop, go. And right. as the problems come, we solve them. Fast track. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we didn't have, I didn't have time to build a foundation. It was kind of just like, all right, store's open, gotta run it. Right. I gotta pay um, rent. <laughs> but this year, I really wanna start like building the roots of Thriftkin and building the foundation and building like a core where my employees come, they know what they're doing. If they have any questions, they look at the manual. They, you know, everything is there for them. That way I can which I probably won't ever take a step away from the store. Right. But like if I need to take a step away from the store for a period of time, Feels the store hands. is running itself and I can focus on traveling the world and going to crazy markets and sourcing just some insane inventory and meeting some credible people Yeah, and bringing that back to my store and kind of, or if something happens and I'm, you know, I'm not able to come to the store, it's just running. Yeah. And I mean, and that's eventually a point where you do want to mm -hmm. get to there and you will be there because you're going to have multiple stores and you're going to be not at that one store at all times. You're going to have to put some things yeah, on this so trust perspective. Exactly. I want to, that'll be once I build my core foundation is when I'll be able to expand and move on to different stores and open other stores and maybe even open another store in a different state. So who knows? Right. And, and it's everything to have the confidence behind who you've hired, what your systems are, mm -hmm. and the more you make your processes streamlined, the more that you, you know, make the way that you check in things or the protocols you have, the one, once you put all these things on a list basis or a sheet or a checkoff box thing of, hey, this is how we're doing it every time, like clockwork, this is the manual, mm -hmm. this is how we do it, you're automating processes. That's the first way in business to get ahead is automating all yeah. your processes because then you know what's going on when this stuff goes in the door. You're not thinking yeah. at night, I just oh, need... well, what, what do we have to do with this pair of jeans? It's like, nope, you know what to do right there. It's the same way it's always been and there's these yeah. five steps, boom, get it on the rack. That's how it is. Exactly. I just need to like secure those steps and secure the people behind the steps and secure, you know, I've got an amazing tailor, which I'm fortunate about and- Lock her down, put her on retainer. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like all these people are so important to the processes to get my inventory customer ready. I mean, pricing, like pricing in itself, you have to learn how to price an item. You have to learn how to size an item. Sizing denim, for some reason, I'm so good at sizing denim. I don't know why, but not. I've tried to teach multiple people and they have no idea how to size denim. And it's just, for me, I can eyeball it and say that's a 24, that's a 33, that's a... right. That's a 29, whatever, you know, whereas someone else, they're going to be like, what, how do you, how can you tell right. that this pair of jeans and it's learning about just text, like doing research on textiles, doing research on, um, the different brands that we carry and what's, what does Levi's 501 mean? And what is right. Levi's 501 with double X's on the back or with a silver tab or whatever, right. you know, just learning about all the different brands we carry and, it's so awesome to see younger girls come in with their moms and the moms are like, Oh my God, you have Jordash jeans. I remember those when like I, I was had a, these. Yeah. yeah. I had these when I was your age. It's just, <laughs> and just, yeah, I just, there's just so much to know about the industry and about vintage. That there just has to be you that foundation. Contend. Yeah. You, you just have to build that foundation and you have to teach your employees. Like for me, I want like, and I want like a seminar that my employees that I've created that my employees can come and watch and learn about everything that I know. That way they know just as much as me so I can walk away. And Teach know a person that. how to fish is a big statement. It's always comes true. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, that's what I'm working on this year. That'll, that'll be 2023 for me. It's damn, and, and expanding it's on it. <laughs> yeah i mean like like we were saying if you teach somebody the way you want something to be done and then it's done that way and it's done well mm -hmm. now you check that off your mental box of hey i don't have to worry about this anymore because somebody's on it yeah and then that next thing oh i don't have to worry about this was... anymore because now somebody's on that too okay and then once all those boxes are checked then you sit back and you twiddle the thumbs and say hey now what can i really dive into details like let me yeah. let me dive and this deeper. summer that was like the biggest thing for me it was realizing like how to direct like going on before is how to be a boss and how to sure. direct people in the way that I want. Like I had to call quite a few meetings with my entire team to figure it out yeah. and be like, okay, this isn't going how I want it to go. How do we move forward and how do we communicate so that you guys know exactly how I want it done? And it was, it's just like, it's all just a learning curve. And yeah. this year I just want to like 
be ahead of it. Be ahead of it. <laughs> That's the advice. Be ahead of it. Yeah. Well, Brittany Rivkind from Thrivkind. <laughs> appreciate it. We're going to rattle off some fun questions here at the end. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to segue this out. I'm going to throw lightning round questions at you. And mm-hmm. you have to answer as fast as you possibly can. Okay. You ready? Yep. Favorite 90s TV show? Friends, 100%. <sighs> Great answer. <laughs> Favorite store in the Hamptons? Thriftkind. Thriftkind. Obviously. Aside from Thriftkind. All my friend's shops. All your friend's shops. Okay. Yes. Too many to name, but we, all her friend's shops. <laughs> favorite 90s clothing item? 90s, 90s jeans. jeans. I love 90s, 90s jeans. jeans. Done. Uh, favorite restaurant? Sag Harbor. Sag Harbor. Sen. Sen. Done. Boom. Two <laughs> shout outs for Jesse. Sen. Uh, best book you've read lately? I would say my favorite would have been Daisy Jones and the Six or Outlawed. Beautiful. What is your Sagtown coffee order? I don't drink coffee. She doesn't drink coffee, but what would you get there if you walked in a tea? Ice chai. Ice chai. Boom. All right. She gets an ice chai. <laughs> Favorite sport? Uh, snowboarding and wakeboarding. Snowboarding and wakeboarding. Last question. Mm-hmm. Last but not Where least. Where is your favorite place to thrift? Paris. Patty. Done. Brittany Rivkin. <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And, Thank you uh, for having me. It was so fun. Wishing you all the success in the next year. And I'm obviously going to be coming in to purchase some Mets gear. So always hold that stock on deck. Mm-hmm. Mets, Jets, and candles. Islanders. Candles. She has these cute little matchbooks with like naked ladies in them. Get those. There's like all sorts of cool shit in there. Okay, guys? My cards. They got, I, yeah, I've already went in there and spent some money. Just go in there and spend your money and buy cool stuff so you can brag <laughs> to your friends about how cool your shit is because it's that kind of store. You buy stuff and then it's in your house and your friends are like, oh, dude, where'd you get that? And you're like, Thrifkin. Mm-hmm. And then you smile a little bit because you're like, I bought this from a local person mm-hmm. and they opened the shop. And that makes us all feel good. Mm-hmm. Brittany, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by Happy Home Property Watchers. Defined by their service and expertise, their mission is to provide you with the confidence in knowing that your property is receiving the personal attention it deserves. Your house should be a haven that it was meant to be, escaping you from the anxieties of everyday life. They'll put your mind at ease knowing that you and your home are afforded the very best in property management services. With over 30 years of experience, they know how to get the job done. Schedule a free consultation at www.happyhomepw.com.